Greetings, fellow singers. Welcome back to World of Hard 20 Podcast. You know who it is? It's your trusted GM, Brian. And you know what? I'm glad to have you guys here joining me once again with my hard slingers. You know, we really are having a blast running this Dragon's Demand run through. And like I said, we wouldn't be here were it not for you. Which reminds me, you know, every time we roll a hard 20 right into the show at rollthehard20podcast at gmail.com, drop me your name and address. I'll send you out a D20 one of the stickers, and quite possibly one of our gold doubloons. And I tell you what, these pe- these future episodes, because a lot of them are kind of already being prepped and already recorded and whatnot, I see we've been rolling a lot of hard 20s. And, and why not write in? Why not get one of those? Represent the show, yeah. You know, also, uh, we have t-shirts over on Amazon. The link is in the description how you can get those shirts. We're actually looking at putting another shirt that has our Delta Green uh, symbol on it so you know drawn by famous artist Samwise Didier who happens to be a hard slinger of your on our Delta Green threads check that out too um, but yeah if you want to help represent the show that way pick up one of those shirts you know also if you head on over to the Patreon I think there's a, a particular tier where we'll actually send you a shirt if you're at that tier level so that's just something to, to think about um, I just can't wait to start wrapping up this Dragon's Demand, you know, st- now that we've kind of taken care of some of the loose threads, as I've discussed in our after-action reports with both Chris and Ratke, I think we're at the point now where we're starting to, to lock and load and send this AP downrange, and I've already got us prepped for what we're going to be doing next, but it's a surprise, I can't tell you until we get to that point. I know the hard slingers are excited about it. So let's not waste any more time. Let's warm up our dice and top off our glasses. Roll the Hard 20 podcast presents episode 52 of our Dragon's Demand run through, the aftermath. I always wonder if people think if I pre record that, warm up your dice and top off your glass. Now I say it live every time, every time, fellow slingers. <laughs> Have a good one. I like I'm I just crowds are just not my thing like I would go I'd be entertained for like an hour and once I made a circuit around all those stalls I would have been like ready to go home that's the problem once you're there I suppose that you're stuck there you know you Mm -hmm. you spend a lot of money to get wherever you're going and to get into the convention you want to stay and see it through so I get why they do it but they were literally selling one beer in there it was dragon's milk so it was like a hard stout and like to me i love people watching so it's like you go there and it'd be nice to be like oh of course light and you have like two or three drinks or whatever you know over the course of maybe a couple hours but you're like looking at people and just casual but like you can't just sip on well i guess you're supposed to but i couldn't see like enjoying that over the course of a few hours um, we're beer bong in it yeah man <laughs> go out the funnel and just get stupid <laughs> Well, before we begin, let's talk about last session, last episode. Um, we have to. <laughs> go away. <laughs> I already went away. <laughs> God, that name. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was, I was actually surprised that that didn't unfold in episode 50. That's kind of like what I, not that we were leading up to that, to that marker's of being 50. I just thought that would have been cool had we done this in episode 50. And I actually struggled with whether or not we would uh, we would just keep going that night. And I think that it ended at almost an hour, maybe a little bit over an hour. Even the last session we just did was over an hour. It's like an hour and five minutes. And I think that the, the sweet spot for listening to a, a podcast is, is about 45 to 55 minutes at the most before people start uh droning out and just calling it a day but everything that we did in the last session was exactly what i wanted to see done with the exception of the death um of stubby bullshit (laughs) well you know what's funny was we uh, we had already talked like off air and everything and you realized that probably how you treated the baroness was probably not gonna work out and you're like, yeah, I'm gonna have to put together another character because I could see this this 
unraveling pretty fast. I was like, oh, I might, you know, and I already had it in mind. I'm like, oh, dude. <laughs> it, it totally caught me by surprise, Heinrich. It yes. totally yes. caught me by surprise. He was already pretty much built. Um, and then he, I was deciding if I was going to do it in the parlor of, of her manor. And I was like, no, there's, there's too many of them. He wouldn't do that because he, that's not how he is. He's basically, he helped her maintain her, her level by being an assassin and being very skilled at the stuff that he does, you know? Now I, I picked up when, when Stabby did his thing, when he said, Baroness, do you want me to take care of it? That tipped me off that something was was not as it seemed with Heinrich. And I don't want to give up everything yet because technically he's still alive. You know, he's he's yeah. still running through the forest. So I, I don't want to really? tip my hand. <laughs> I don't want to tip my hand on, on what he can do and what he is and everything. So I'm not going to. Uh probably should even say that, but I mean, obviously, if if you guys went toe to toe and you, I mean, everything's there, and maybe off air we'll we can touch base on it and everything. But it was quite a, that was an exciting episode, Dempsey. Fucking hey, Radke, what'd you think about that? Um, Drosk, I got a lot of emotions going on. I mean, this is a person that he's been running from for probably close to a year. I would think this is like my entire backstory. So that's a. That's pretty. That's a big portion of who he is at this point in his life. Yeah, and I know, like uh, sometimes the the thought and fear and whispers of the boogeyman is is enough to to make people off balance, as opposed to actually dealing with that individual. You know, like when you actually go toe to toe with this guy who's supposed to be all that, and you've been training so hard to deal with it, and and worried that you're not enough, but you've actually trained to the point where you're more than enough. And that's basically Dempsey. I mean, he didn't even use a weapon. He yeah. just did it all hand to hand and he still came out on top. You know, granted he had some help from Valadier sucking on his, on his buff. I think that so long <laughs> my character has like lived in his brother's shadow and he's never really like let himself be his own person and uh, following his brother around, like on the fighting circuit, what have you. Um, that being out and doing this, it's like, it's kind of going to become his own thing where like, this is where Dempsey, you know, this is his thing. Now he's, he's going to be an adventurer. Um, even just like picking up the heavy armor, it felt weird. Cause I know he's been trained as a, like a boxer his entire life. And it's just different. You don't see a boxer in like full plate mail. And it's, it's ironic because even though it's all based on dice and stuff, but I mean, and some dice rolls were better than other, we hit, Others that we actually had more hard 20s last episode and we see awesome. like there's like everybody was like an MVP in that that episode and it was good it was good to see I think that originally Drosk was doing really well and then he just started fumbling or not fumbling but like failing to make contact but it was actually pretty true to it because he was taking damage and wasn't healing that's almost what you would see you'd see somebody older that would start to tire and start taking damage and his success rate would drop significantly. You know, there, most fights don't go more than 30 seconds and that's, you know, what we do. We probably did like six or seven rounds, yeah. less than a minute. Well, I will say Dempsey, like uh, Droska's guys weren't helping him. Whereas I had my people, you know, boosting up and, you know, they're, they're doing attacks. And I know you're fighting one-on-one, -on -one, but you're also seeing the bad guys in the periphery getting blasted and stuff. And you have that like feeling of, okay, these guys have my back. So it's like, he's going to get progressively stronger. Whereas Drosk, he's just a one-man army. You know, he's trying to rule by fear. Like they don't really, to me, would have his back in a way. And he's old school. So, he, I mean, he, he's not really familiar that, Balladier had had buffed you silently. You know, he doesn't know any of this stuff. He just knows that you guys are one-on-one. -on -one. He didn't see anybody else come to your aid. So when his 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 work was like, hey, you know, I want to get in. Let me help you out, boss. And he's like, get off my back. You know, you know, this is the way it's got to be. This is like how lions succeed the previous lion. You know, that's usually by taking over the last one. And that's, you know, the strong will rise. And that's how that that's how that works in those prides and stuff. We're gonna have pride. 
Um, yeah, yeah, alpha I mean, male. Yeah, Validir went toe to toe with his orcs, and then Warren doing all of his shit in the background. That was really cool to see him. Just, just like a taste of what this this magic user can do. That's like just a little, little taste. You know, I'm I'm actually scared to see the full repertoire of Warren's abilities because I know that it's gonna be something that I'm gonna be a whoop. And then you know, I have this, all these pages planned out, all this shit planned out and the, the, the encounter is going to be over like that, you know, which it was damn close to being, I thought it was going to be that way. Once things started happening really fast, I was like, oh fuck, this is going pretty fast, you know, but it was cool to see that there were three things going on at the same time. We had Stevi and, and Heinrich in the, in the woods and you had you know, Valadir and the the orcs and you had Dempsey and Drosk and, you know, everything's going on all at the same time. I thought that was, Amazing. I enjoyed that. So we turn around and like, there's villagers just like eating popcorn. <laughs> Don King is like, we could have done this pay-per-view. <laughs> <laughs> well, you got this. If you can see that. Yeah. And then we have. Let's just put those in here for now. Let's lead us in. Lead us into prayer. Greetings, fellow slingers. Welcome back to World Hard 20 Podcast. It is I, your trusted Dungeon Master Brian, and with me, the Hard Slingers. Yeah. Yeah. Episode 52 of the Dragon's Demand Run Through. I still can't believe we've managed to go on to 52 episodes. That still blows me away that Carrying Crown went like 34, 35 episodes, and it was the same page count, and we're still just you know, <laughs> along. Hey, what's up? I don't know. What's that? You know, so like I just uh, briefly touched on in the, you know, our little back and forth or whatever, you guys had this big ass battle on Old Quarry Road between Hunclay's Manor and the collapsed Witch Tower and the, the Sunset Home, basically meeting Drosk and his boys there. Dempsey, you went there. Um, like he'd ask you with Valadir right behind you, Warren, you stayed back at the bridge and uh, Stubby, you had gone into the woods to flank them. And when your invisibility dropped, you realized that Heinrich is actually back there and had probably had been tracking you guys for a while. That's when you and him had it out. And unfortunately, as everything started to settle down, Drosk, the account with him was settled, but it, as Stubby tried to disengage and run uh, it looked like he was taken out and he was so as everything starts to settle down you see that there's the the body of the three orcs the decapitated head of some large war ape you see drosk bent over in a fetal position dead to the world you see the heroes are starting to to regain their breath you notice that a lot of the the townsfolk had not just gone to the opposite side of the bank, but they've actually crossed over the bridge to get a closer view at what was going on in this field. I mean, you see a lot of the proprietors, a lot of the, just the people that live there. Uh, you see a lot of visitors too. One of them seems to be standing off a little more than the rest of them. And I'd like for Valadir, Warren and Dempsey to make a perception check. Validir got a nine. Nine. Warren? Warren got a seven. Seven. Dempsey? Seventeen. Seventeen. So as all this is unfolding, you know, you're looking at this, the crowd, you're trying to, you're worried about your, your, you know, fallen comrade and everything. Dempsey, you look in for just a split second, you almost see Flint standing in the crowd. It, it's like mind boggling. You take a second look and, and you see that it is indeed a dwarf dressed in like the same attire, only this, this dwarf seems to look a little different, but he definitely has the same regal robes of, uh, of, of his deity that he had worshipped. I mean, even from this distance, you can see that there appears to be some kind of a, of a red outline on the back of each of his hands. Azucar? As stands there. Yeah, Azucar. And, and he's with the group of the townsfolk watching, but he's still slightly apart from them. You know, you see Valadir's looking 
on on the body of Stubby, having seen this final magical bolt fire even further southeast from the woods, almost as though it was going, you know, slowly getting further to the east, but staying in the woods. You know, first one missed, second one missed, third one hit, and that seemed to be the one that actually took him out. Warren, it's just like a sorry was this like a second gunman on the grassy knoll situation or was it all coming from uh who knows i mean you know if they were not coming from the same positions hmm. you could read into that however you want to warren you're probably still in the woods right you haven't have you left the woods yet or are you still in there? no i'm still um i probably don't know that stabby is uh like i i know he's like down i don't know that he is dead um, so I am uh, just simply continuing on trying to find the source of this uh, these firebolts. So I'm going to move another 30 feet further in the direction of where they seem to be coming from and seeing what I see. Okay. Go ahead and make another perception check. Okay. Oh! Hard 20. Hard there 20. it is! <laughs> you know, the sunlight coming in glaring doesn't bother you the shadows don't bother you your eyes begin to adjust really fast and you scan the woods scan the tree lines scan everything and you don't see anything whatever was going on whoever was delivering this whatever group of people or, or solitude individual appears to have definitely left the scene you don't because you don't see anything um, I'll like just keep, uh, probably stop where I'm in realizing that I'm just not finding it. And uh, anyone who might be seeing Warren is going to see him like looking around like wildly, like I'm, uh, obviously very like frantic, like adrenaline's pumping, like I'm going to find this person and someone is going to pay. Um, uh, but it, uh, I, probably what I'll be doing for about the next minute or so. Uh, we'll be like circling around the area in like a, I'd imagine like a 20 foot like area looking for like any sign. I mean, Warren is not a tracker, but at this point he's like, he's going to look for signs of whatever might be around. Okay, so you move another 20 feet. Go ahead and make another perception check. Uh, that is a 16. 16? You see something in the in like the the, the undergrowth mm -hmm. it appears to be like a small clear container probably no bigger than maybe three inches tall maybe a, an inch in diameter you see it's uncorked very little residual fluid left in it uh i'll make a gesture and it will float up as a ghostly mage hand appears and picks it up and brings it over to warren's um to inspect I'll take a close look at it. I'm assuming what I'm seeing is an empty potion file. It certainly seems that way. You've definitely been around them enough to know that this is one of those containers. Mm -hmm. Small quaff of something. Um, but it's empty at this point. Okay, I will take a quick just like sniff and inspection of it and seeing if I can tell what it might have been. Okay, give uh, me your fingerprints. Here, <laughs> right. <on a> check. <clears throat> Uh, not terrible. Uh, 17. 17. It almost smells like similar ingredients that would be used to make a potion of invisibility. Mm, of course. Um, I'll just take one last look at like, um, the horizon, like, and basically just focus, uh, at a certain distance around. And I'm looking for like movement of grasses. Um, branches, something that is not necessarily created by the wind or a okay. breeze or anything. Let me make like your that. perception check. 13. If I 13. do see something, there's going, even whether or not it's actually there, there's going to be an Eldritch bl uh, Blast f uh, flying. Okay. You see a leaf kind of like dangling mm -hmm. on the, on the, like on a side branch coming on that 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 whole like end of the branch nice. is just like okay. obliterated make your attack roll. Oh. okay 
22. 22. You hear this squeal of a mid-sized animal. Like a pig. Basically take it in the side and just skid out of the tree line and into the, the field by Old Quarry Road, which you know that road itself actually leads to the Old Rock Quarry, mm-hmm. where once upon a time they used to pull these limestones out, and that was the the sustenance for the town's revenue mm-hmm. at the time. But you know, other than that, as you look around, it just everything gets kind of quiet. Looking around, you don't see any more trees moving. You don't see more leaves moving. It's just definitely, definitely quiet in the tree line. Mm-hmm. But you still hear murmuring outside. Um, you could see. I will. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say you could see Valadir standing in the middle of the field next to Dempsey, and they appear to be standing over something in the grass. But those are the only two people that you see of your comrades. Well, I mean, I know that's about where Stabby had fallen. Anyways, yeah. at that point, uh, really thing, I'm probably not going to find anything. I will march and march very uh, sternly and just incredibly annoyed um, back towards them. How dare you die? He um, So Dempsey's going to wave at the cleric like, Priest, please come can you help this man please and just like try to get uh the the cleric he saw's attention yes you with the face and the eyes and the uh that yes and you're far the ugly one yes you're probably like 200 feet away (laughs) from them but of course you know you see the entire line of people you see you know casper timek from timex general store you see talia oram you see Zenme, you see you know, Caladestina Honus, you see, actually, you see the Baroness as well. She's out there standing with her arms folded, and, and some of her servants are around her, and she's looking at, at everything that's going on and just kind of just standing there stoically. And everybody kind of looks towards this dwarf in the robes, wondering if, if obviously this individual Dempsey is calling to him and, and if he's going to join them or not chris why don't you tell me what's going to happen with this individual that's being called out i'm going to walk towards the group uh, across that 200 200 foot expanse uh shield in left hand warhammer in the right hand you know down at my side and and walk up to the group and say did did you call me sir Yes, do you I see your your robes. You do you have any can you help our friend perhaps? Uh, he looks down at the uh the halfling that is face down, kneels next to him, places his hand um uh, upon the back of his neck and along the side. Um pauses for a moment and then drops his head down pauses, removes his hand, stands up, looks at uh, Dempsey. I'm sorry, but your companion is gone. Dempsey's just going to drop his eyes and he's just losing another person. It's just tragic to him, even after the, you know, winning the battle. And he just, he turns for a minute, just looking out at like the landscape. Was this one of your comrades? spins around oh yes uh he followed us into battle we wouldn't have had this fight today if it wasn't for him inspiring us honestly uh, i've heard of a group of this particular makeup before did you travel with a cleric at one point yes uh flint and i think warren probably getting to us he's like you Maybe this man knew Flint. Ah, yes, I, I did. As I, I approach and I look down, and I uh, look to Valadir and Dempsey um, and say, "Wait, is Stabby? Why is he not Valadir? Were you not able to heal?" Un- unfortunately, I wasn't. The oh, almost forgot. No, 
<laughs> accent? What accent? Accent. Sorry. I've been caught. No. <laughs> I've been caught. My pride. No, I was not able to cure aid for Postabi. We were attacked after I barely got to him. I only saw uh, a glimpse of it. Was was that the man from the Baroness? That was the old man. Did you see him? Only for a moment. Did you see him? No, I did not. And I'll uh, actually. I don't I, think you saw him, Dempsey. You most likely did not see that. Oh, I did okay. not see shit. Nope. So you could scratch um, that part, Warren. Okay. Didn't, nobody else saw who Stubby. That's why he remained in the tree line. Okay. Um, in that case, uh, I will uh, turn back and uh, yell uh, at the tree line, and just. Uh, just in as loud a voice as uh, I can, yelling, if I find you, you will regret the day. Ward, 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 please. Um, I understand you've lost your friend. Uh, we, we should. We I, should. I turn back around and look at you, and uh, war, and I've actually got like fire wreathing my hands, and uh, just says, you do not get to tell me to calm down after someone assassinates my ally. Perhaps we should speak in private. We I never told you his name. <sighs> we, sh we should finish our business here and move into town someplace where we could all talk. You see like a lot of the towns, people have started to disperse, but you see uh, Talia from the Wise Piper actually crossing the field towards the four of you and she looks at at you guys and you and as she's making a, a straight line towards you you see uh Caladestina Honus also angling towards you as well and they both stop right next to you at the same time and uh, Talia looks at the at the four of you and she says please accept my condolences for your friend um if you need a place to stay and then collect your thoughts. The stay is on the house. You know, anything that, that I could be of assistance with, please let me know. And, and when the time is right, your rooms will be ready for you. Um, but take your time. And she actually leaves. But Caladestina actually stays behind and, and looks down at Stubby in the grass. And she looks at Dempsey and Valadir and Warren and just... Kind of shakes her head and just, what is it you three are trying to prove in this town of Belheim? How many more of your friends have to perish? What is what is it you what is your end game here? Our end game? You ask what our end game is. This here? This is simply people chasing those of us down. We didn't ask for this. They came after me and my friends accompanied. It was purely self-defense. I mean, you guys went into Hung Clay's Manor for whatever reason and you brought out your cleric. Tell me, at, at this, you, you hear her mention a cleric and she continues she's all I would have thought that that would have been enough to to cut ties here I'm not really certain what what you guys are hoping to get out of this and now I mean your friend is still sitting in my parlor right now and I've got another one to add I am not really sure uh, what we're doing here you don't I want anyone to die well, my business is built off dead people, but I mean, there comes. You're a welcome. Point. Oh. <laughs> well, here, let me pay you so I could stay in business. Um, yeah, I just don't understand it. Is there, is there something keeping you in Belhain? We were staying for an additional couple of days at the Baroness's request, if you care to know our business, and 
while we were simply going back to the inn, we came across uh, some companion, former associates of my friend Dempsey here, and which they decided to call us out to here to settle this score. I do not know the details, so of that, you will have to hear the story from Dempsey. But I could tell you the score. I just look over at, like, all the dead bodies over there, and, I, and then I look back at her and say, and it looks like you will be in business for quite some time. Hold on for a second, guys. I actually have to mark the time here. Do me a favor, Ryan. Get closer to your microphone. I think you're kind of far away. I haven't moved my mic at all. No, you sound really quiet. Is it just me, or does he sound quiet? I get you. Is it me? Okay, sorry, guys. Yeah. All right, well, we're at 31 minutes. Okay, I'll, I'll know when to cut that piece out there. Okay. Your equipment's still set to Hawaii time. Oh, okay. shut the fuck up. Ah, Hawaii. Well, so he's going to start growing out his, you know, middle-aged man ponytail and saying everything's gnarly. You're gnarly. Well, let me know if there's, uh, if I could be any further assistance besides helping with your small friend here. Would you like to um, carry him back to the Sunset House, or you want me to send some of the boys out to, to collect him? Dempsey, do you mind? Of course. Yeah, with all respect. But before we do leave, I just want to verify that Drosk is dead. Okay. He goes over and just, like, puts two fingers on his temple and make sure he didn't, like, weasel off into the underbrush. He's cold to the touch. I mean, you could do the eye flick. Yeah. It's always good. He holds like a mirror up underneath his nose to make sure if it's, you know, fogging up. He's done. He's just standing there, the vest, you know, some kind of a leather leader hosen, um, and his axe that he's probably That'd had be with German. him. Yeah. Probably had with him forever and a day. But nothing really special about the axe. It's just a, a worn old school great axe. Yeah, I'm not interested in it. Um, can I pick up that glove? The glove that uh, Valadir sure. helped fumble. Can I use that? It's pretty heavy. And it's it's made for a large fist. For an animal. It's, okay. Yeah, it's not going to. It wouldn't do you any good. It's just standard adventure, like, you know, loot the body stuff. Yeah, it's almost like a, like an armadillo back with mm -hmm. a handle inside. So you kind of slip your hand in so you could still grab stuff, but have it on your hand. As long you know, that's how he was able to pick up the rock and throw it and still okay. have the the, the back uh, corrugated piece of metal on the back of his hand. But when he reached, you know, back to hit, obviously it slipped off at that point. It's probably he was probably dust at that point. I think if nothing else, he would pick up the weapons and just like drop them off at the blacksmith just to like so like some kids wouldn't find them. Yeah, and, and Bacchus at one point was part of the lineup with you know huey dewey louie and clyde they were all everybody in town was watching what was going on this had been a big thing i mean you got to remember these guys were wandering around Belheim looking for you you specifically aggressively they were asking questions they weren't there was no guile about it there was nothing no subterfuge about it at all they were looking for you i think for the so. first time he's gonna like no cloak and he just you know, he says hello to Bacchus, he gives him the weapons, and he's like, I'm going to stop by. And then uh, he'll pick up Stebby and then head out. No yeah. further ado. He grabs the weapons as you give him. He's like, oh, I'm going to have a great sell on this, uh, this great axe if you want to buy it later. <laughs> and he, him and his boys take the, the swords from the other orcs, and they take the male pieces from the, the great, uh, from the war ape, and they take... Drosk's uh, great axe and basically leave the bodies there. That's not their end of the deal. So, and at some point, you you hear Caladestina talk to a couple of her guys and say, you know, at some point we'll we'll go back and we'll we'll please up these bodies and burn them out back. We're not even going to waste the earth on these guys. So, Caladestina. Uh, you mentioned that uh, you've taken care of another cleric of uh, dwarf of this party. Might I see the body? Yes, if you'd like to follow me, he's 
in the in the display parlor right now. We're preparing to have him sent back over to the uh, Shrine of the Six-Pointed Star in town. I guess the uh, the acolytes there will do something with him and, and send him back to where he belongs amongst his I, people. I would like to see him before that. That's fine if you want to come back with me. I got my guys will be going up and down this field for probably about 40 minutes dragging these these hooligans. Um, and she looks at you, Dempsey, and says, well, shall we get back up to the house then and you can bring your friend? Sure. So he'll walk respect. and probably while they're walking, he's like, why are you here? To the cleric. He's like, is this some sort of twist of fate that you, you know, uh, ended up here? Where'd you come from? Uh, again, we should speak in private, not amongst these people. I have I have uh, urgent business to tend to, though, with uh, Caladestina that I I must complete before we speak. So it doesn't take you long. You guys get up to the Sunset House, and she opens the door and lets Dempsey in first. Uh, just put him on the table uh, right against the wall there. You see there against the uh, eastern wall there is a small metal table. Just go ahead and set your friend down and and I'll take care of him from there. Just set him uh, down I, and like get his like personal belongings to the side. Maybe kind of like um, with Valadir and Warren will kind of like look at that stuff. My Lord, um, I'm sorry. I don't know your name, but if you'll follow me, I'll show you to your friend. Now she's very uh, courteous towards you as she is to most people anyways, but definitely you being in the robes and the, and the tats on the back of your hands and stuff. She wants to make sure she pays very good homage to you and your deity. And she leads you into the front parlor and you see Flint's body still in repose. And he doesn't look like he's withering or anything. Obviously there's some kind of a, a magic at work to keep him from starting to stank. Mm. Um, there he is, my Lord. Thank you. Uh, I'll approach, uh, Tommy approaches uh, Flint's body and he places his hand upon his chest. His wiener. That tickles. Why is he breathing? Wait a fuck up a moment. (laughs) Uh, He places his hand upon his chest um, and looks at, at, at Flint's face says, my friend, I'm sorry it came to this, but I understand that this was an important task and an important journey for you. I guarantee that I I will not allow your death to go unnoticed. And uh, I, uh, Tommy nods his head, he, he hangs his head and closes his eyes and, and mutters, um, a prayer removes his hand uh, stands back up but kind of you know recomposes himself you know tall back stiff shoulders and and turns around leaves the room and, and goes back into the uh, the front of the the uh, sunset house she looks at you and says, uh, my lord, will you be taking his personal effects or are you going to leave those in the custody of his his companions? Uh, what items do you speak of? And at that point, she just kind of steps back because she's, she's not accusing you guys of stealing his stuff, but she knows that you guys had taken them earlier and returned them to the room at the Wise Piper Inn. And so she basically lets you guys explain to him Oh, well, we unfortunately do not know um, uh, Flint's family um, or his uh, specifically what church he called home. So we did not know who to uh, forward those uh, items to. So we do have them um, back at our uh, inn. We were going to uh, see about researching that but if you as a um, man of faith are familiar with where these should go then 
Um, please, by all means. What is your name? My name. Yes, your uh, name. And my name I is will, not important. <laughs> I will um, uh, bow slightly. Uh, please excuse my lack of manners here. Uh, I am Warren Valheim. Warren, my name is Tommy Hammerbane. I was, uh, I didn't think that the rumors were true, but Flint here is of my order. I heard that I heard that he had come here to Belheim to assist in a great task. It is very sad that he passed. It is quite sad. However, I am here now to provide aid to you, you adventurers, to continue along with Flint's Flint's task. Well, yeah. We well, do appreciate that. Can I ask what what are we looking at? What does this guy look like? Uh, he is uh, a dwarf, a hill dwarf. Um, he's bald uh, with a white beard, uh, a very thick white beard. He is has has uh, seen his share of adventure, but he looks very um, fatherly with a white with the white beard. He's got the tattoos on the back of his hands. Yes, very weathered skin. Uh, the tattoos. You can definitely tell that he has been in the shit. Who's the guy from Sons of Anarchy? The one that also dresses up like Elvis Presley from the first season? That's the guy <laughs> that I'm picturing right now. Just that <laughs> badass dude. He's also like their accountant. Yeah. Sorry. So she takes Stubby's body because it's the table has wheels on the bottom and she wheels him into the parlor and she says, well, if you'll excuse me, I'm going to be getting to work on your friend. Um, not to sound crude or crass, who will be settling the bill for this individual? I have money. Uh, what What is the bill? I apologize. Uh, Flint was going to be taken care of by the... Um, uh, Baroness. Yes, she already set a representative down to to settle that bill. Uh, this little individual is a little smaller than your your previous comrade, uh, so he will be half space. off. Yes. So uh, we'll settle for a hundred GP when you get a chance. Uh, I will go ahead and pay this now, um, and uh, my companions and I uh, will decide how to split that later. Thank you. She takes the money from you and, you know, see yourself out, boys. And she wheels Stubby to the back and closes the curtain. Dempsey's going to, like, hold up Flint's stuff. And he's like, Ch -ch. and there's, like, the gold. He's like, well, the gold we took to um, the church uh, two sessions ago. Yeah, Stubby still has some. Um, That's what I'm saying. Money. Yes, I'm oh. sorry. Uh, yes, yeah, he meant Stubby. Yeah. Sorry. Well, I'm sure he's not going to battle with uh, 1,250 gold pieces swinging on his. I don't side. know. He's pretty, <laughs> pretty greedy. Like you know what I mean. You Actually, keep that stuff close to the chest. He deposited a lot of that from the first endeavor with the yes. uh, with the collapsed witch tower. You guys deposited it at uh, those sons of bitches. Who did he make the survivor uh, at, on at that? Grelin and okay. Sons. Which was a uh, basically like a bank, uh, but the nope. money that you guys got from clearing Hunclay's Manor from the Baroness, you guys still had that stuff in your room. Mm. Yes, you guys hadn't taken that to Grelin and Sons, so that's still in your position. There was no biometric measurements uh, taken at the bank, was there? We we're not going to need Stebby later, like a fingerprint or something. <laughs> well, I don't You're remember who had the shit. <laughs> I was going to say, you know how to forge documents, don't you? <laughs> Who's got uh, the chit for that place? Remember he gave you like a red uh, card? I don't I remember. Would assume, who... I thought Stabby had taken it because he was the one who had deposited his gold. Well, it might be on his on his persons then. Okay. So definitely get his personal items back. I mean, yeah, at some point when she strips him down yeah. and laughs at his nudeness, you know, his shit will be <laughs> set in a pile as well. So. It's like a baby. 
but yeah, you guys had had deposited five hundred gold pieces last time, so. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I mean, come on, we all know this is the same person. I think for simplicity's sake, we just give all the money to Chris. I mean, that's well. You could get the, the like. Shit. We can trust the holy man to be, do the right thing with the money, right? I mean, in all honesty, what I would what I would suggest is that we do hold on to Staffy's money as a party fund. And then if, for instance, um, our new companion here does need to purchase something with more gold than he has, we can certainly draw from it. But I do, I, I wouldn't just hand the gold over to. Yeah, this is one of those weird things where it's like, our characters may not do this, but like, we literally know it's the same person and like, it's well, kind of break their it down. So I, I, you know, I, I agree with what uh, Ryan's saying, though. Okay, so let me break it down to you. Oh. Stubby's got the chit that's worth 500 gold pieces minus mm-hmm. their interest for holding on to your money. Mm-hmm. The rest of the money you got in, in all of Flint's stuff is back in the rooms at the Wise Piper Inn, including your gold pieces there, because that's when you were paid by the Baroness, that's where you took all your stuff and set it there. Mm-hmm. I don't, like I said, I don't imagine anybody's going to go to battle with the giant sack of gold across their back it just wouldn't wouldn't be correct reasonable to assume that obviously with talia there she's not going to let anybody go in and out and steal your shit that you know of um mm. so the most likely thing would be that once caladestina is done with stubby's body you could either take his possessions with the shit at that time or ask for just that piece now mm-hmm I mean, his his wand's basically worthless. Not, I don't know if you guys know that or not, but he's fired off his last charge of that, so it's empty. so he did shoot his wand. Yes, he did. That's <laughs> hey, what he saying. died the way he lived, baby. <laughs> Short and fast. <laughs> I think in a uncharacteristic um, move, Dempsey's going to be like, "Why don't we talk about this over a drink?" Okay, I do uh, agree. Um, I do not know. Um, uh, Brother Hammervane, if you are one of such, but if you are taking, um, uh, if you are to take Flint's place with our group, you are welcome to join us. We can tell you a little of him and a little bit of our other companion that has lost. I would like to hear of uh, your companion, the halfling. I would like to hear what he has done. He's like, not, not to insult you, but I've never met a dwarf that didn't want to have a drink. At least one. So you, you guys leave the Sunset House. It's probably about 3.30 now after everything's said and done with the battles and moving the bodies and all this other stuff. And there's a couple things. One of the things is that tomorrow morning is when the auction is supposed to take place. Warren, the Baroness has offered to comp you up to 7,000 gold pieces to bid on anything you want. Mm-hmm. You know, she'll give you that money in exchange she kind of wants you there as as a bodyguard i think it was more uh to protect her from stubby but she also alluded to other individuals that may be coming to purchase stuff too that may be of ill repute Mm -hmm. uh and other than that you guys know that the gray hands tavern is on Oh, we know where it is. Oh, I bet you do. Okay. I bet one du- that one dude is still in there begging for drinks. They might Probably. be. Um, I think, so, I mean, we were going to go to that cave, right? And was the understanding that we could get there and get back before the auction? That's I, up to you guys. I mean, what you guys want to do? We don't know exactly where it is. And frankly, any momentum that we had doing it, um, I think got d- popped when Stabby got popped. Yeah. yeah. Got kind of derailed. <laughs> I kind of feel like, too, like the cave's not going anywhere. If we want to just like bask in the glow of victory, get to know the new, our new friend here, that kind Who of knows? thing, and then do the auction the next day. Maybe this as an ode to Stabby, you guys want yeah. to go. This is, this is what we like mm-hmm. to call a dirty win. Yeah. I mean, Dempsey still has problems, so he still has like some 
bureaucracy to take care of. He's going to like send some money to his parents. Uh, yeah, um, I don't know if Valier has problems, but you guys don't even want to know what Warren's problems are. 99, son. <laughs> well, I don't know how many problems Warren really has, seeing how he's a man out of time. What, do you forget to pay his electric bill? What, is, what does Warren really have hanging over his head after 200 years? Uh, <laughs> the problem is the voice in his head. Oh, I was going to say, did you owe the mob money and like the timer's been running? So the points like every week have been coming. But they like, don't. Yeah. We're yeah, going to break your legs the there, Bellham. So tell me what you guys would like to do. I think we're going to go to Greyhand's Taverns unless anyone has an objection. Okay. Yep. So you guys all in agreement with that? Yeah. And I'll say Dempsey, he is going to have like a drink, but he's still. You know, he's still in training. He's still a fighter. So he's like eating something and, you know, having a water too. And it's just more like this is the celebration. He's going to have the one beer. You, let's get you guys to Great uh, to Greyhand's Tavern before you oh, start telling me what you're going to do. Okay. So you guys leave the Sunset House. You go out and you notice that sun's still out. Obviously, it's like I said, 330. You see two year to the south, you know, to the left of you, to the south up on the hill, you see Debbie Manor. Where the Baroness lives. It's quiet up there. Obviously, all the townsfolk have left. They're no longer standing on either side of the bank looking at the at the field where you guys' battle had just taken place. The only two people you see are Caladestina's hands grabbing the bodies and bringing them back to the Sunset House. And you guys cross the bridge. And as you're walking through town, through Belheim, People are just milling about doing their own stuff. You know, you're you're going down Canticleer Road and you pass all the shops on the right and the homes and whatnot. You pass Bacchus's blacksmith. You pass the Dodge Inn livery stables. Come to the Wise Piper Inn. And then eventually you come to the intersection where Debbie Road meets Canticleer Road. And you hear Bacchus yell from behind you, Thanks a lot for the donation, boys. <laughs> Appreciate it. Because he's got like this giant great house oh yeah he's got all kinds of stuff you know whatever the uh the orcs were wearing whether they're leather tunics or anything else like that they're all going in an inventory dude he is like the one person in town that loves that we are here yeah i mean it really hasn't hurt his business other than the fact that he tried to give dempsey some advice to that he didn't think that dempsey was gonna make it he's like tony stark's great 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 grandfather yeah, but the reality is, is he just saw Dempsey versus four orcs and a war ape. He didn't see Dempsey and all of his boys. That's it. Yeah, that's so, the way you do the story. That's the way you sing the song. <laughs> like, take yeah. you guys completely out of it. <laughs> it was a one on top or uh, oh. to be. So you guys make your way up Canticleer Road and you guys start. Uh, I'm sorry, yeah, up Devi Road and you pass by the. Uh, the amphitheater where the guys are still milling about getting this thing all ready for the auction tomorrow. They're moving crates in. They're starting to set up sentries to make sure nobody messes with anything as the night begins to fall. And you guys eventually come to Greyhand's Tavern and you hear, uh, you know, the hustle and bustle of a, of the end of a workday crowd inside. People are getting a little loose, a little light, a little loud. Tell me what you want to do. It's definitely happy hour. It is. It must be somebody's happy hour. Everybody's Two for one app appetizers. <laughs> is there any tables that are open? For... Yeah, as you enter, there's there's a few tables. You know, you see people sit down just as fast as people pop up. You know, people are clearing tables, going to the bar, going to sit down. Other people are standing up, getting another round. Uh, they're going out back where there's probably a, a ravine latrine where people are just you know, filling that thing up all day long. People are passing through the front door, coming in and out. There's, there's motion going on throughout the whole thing. And there are occasional open tables. You find one towards the back. And it, it looks like uh, like Swirlo's just got his, his hands filled. You know, he's you know filling up beer, you know, meads and shit, send them in, uh, sending them out, filling up shot glasses. And, of course, you see your buddy, you know, Greg Linton at the... Uh, at the bar, just oh, yeah, come on, another round on the house. I told you they were gonna win, double or nothing. You know, everybody like 
you almost get the feeling that there was a uh, a sophomoric uh, attitude towards your guys's engagement. You know, like maybe people were probably betting on who was going to win. Could be. I'm actually, I'm sure there was considering how much, um, how many people were there, but. And you see um, Swirlo just kind of yell, find a place to sit anywhere. I'll send somebody over to get your drink orders in a minute, boys. Excellent. Um, sit the and, table. Mm-hmm. Take our table and say, uh, I know you've uh, just joined us. Uh, Brother Hammerbane, but um, and you've told us. What's that us... noise? Oh, I'm sorry. One sec, that might be me. You'll want to cut this up. Hold on a second. All right, what is that? A uh, five fifty fifty five fifty eight. Okay. Sorry, my roommate was right outside my door, talking. No problem. I'm just gonna. I'll just clip it out. Go ahead. Okay. Um. Uh, you told us a little bit of uh, where you of who you are, but why are you here? Why why were you following um, uh, Brother Flint? Uh, I had heard the rumors that uh, perhaps he was in a spot of trouble, and that he may not have made it through the last adventure here in Belheim. Perhaps one of you here can tell me of of his uh, death. How did it get to this? He fell uh, during a fight inside of the... While we were investigating a manor. He fell fighting. Was he protecting all of you here, including that little halfling? Yes. He said we were his best friends. Well, I... I don't know that uh, Flint had any best friends, but uh, he, he definitely, um, you know, helped those that, that needed it. And it sounds to me that, that you boys here needed his help. It seemed that way. We do seem to be a troubled lot. Um, actually, truth be told, with the loss of our friend Stappy here, I think the original crew that had come into town is no longer among us. <laughs> there is perhaps one who's out somewhere, but he seemed to leave quite disturbed. That's amazing. I didn't even think about that. The original lineup's gone. So, so, so truth be told, at this time, <laughs> at least shit. from my my perspective, the only reason we are here is the Baroness has requested um, my presence and has actually given a very lucrative bribe. Um, but beyond that, after tomorrow, there is nothing per se that is holding me here for... There is much more to it, but uh, I have... Well, I share the name of this town and, and my ancestor was the one who... Um, is the source of that. I do not... I no longer have ties here. Well, I'll be honest. I haven't shared everything with you guys, but I came here from almost running from Drosk. Um, he wanted to do me harm, and although that's over, I still... Uh, any amount of money that I could bring back would be helpful for my family, and I know there's a potential of making more while we're here. Um... You know, if I'm not running, I could spend some more time here and perhaps dig up some more. Um, it sounded as if there might be another opportunity. If you all would be interested in doing that with me, I would appreciate it. Well, life on the road is all I want. Hmm. And Dempsey is like paying for all the drinks. He's like so appreciative for the help and the fight and everything. So you're here to oversee an auction tomorrow that is all that is what uh, flint died for i didn't know what actually brought flint specifically to this town oh no I found... no no i i only asked is this auction what 
is this the this auction is the only thing that he was here to do? No, no that's no, no, what no. cost him his life. No, 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 no. What cost him his life is what cost him his life is the fact that the local practitioner of the arts. And as uh, I say that, I'll kind of waggle my fingers and sparkles of, of magic and fire come off them for just a moment. Um, was into much more than the uh, Baroness would was aware of. And frankly, I do not even know the extent. And while I'm practiced and knowledgeable, um, I am truly a bit terrified to see what his ultimate goals were. But he trafficked in fiends. He trafficked in much more that is beyond and would make the most down-to-earth individual question their reality. You can Im cannot imagine the horrors that we saw inside of that mansion. So where do we go from here, boys? I think if Hunkley had those sorts of things in his mansion, I can only imagine what he would have had in that cave. And if something like that is out there, that's a danger to everybody, no matter what treasure may be there. I think it, as, as people with good hearts, it would be good for us to go there and, you know, for the good of everyone and clear that stuff out. Baroness or no. I, I care not of material possessions. Good. If, if there's evil <laughs> if there's evil amongst these town folk then we must vanquish it there is and actually that's something I have a question for you Dempsey Drusks seem to be the brutish type and Stabby was taken down by something that none of us saw. Is that Drusks? Is that how he operates? Would he have had a person on the side? Would he have oh. had... Drusk wasn't one to be cunning like that. He was more of just get in your face and pound you until you died. I think that may have been something, something else. He was... Drusk was here for me. He was not here for any of you. Hmm. Duh. And we most of Drask's friends stayed behind. We managed to eliminate them. Right. None of them. There was the five of them counting that animal. I may uh, not be the smartest man, but I know that he left a really bad taste in a Baroness's mouth. Oh and my. I can only imagine. <laughs> hey. Should he drink more pineapple juice? <laughs> Sorry. Uh, there's your episode title. <laughs> um, uh, Actually, oh, maybe I, that came back. Uh, came back to haunt him. Indeed. Actually, Brother Hammerbane, I have a question for you. I know some people of faith can call back the dead to question them. Do you have that magic? Is that something you are knowledgeable in? No, 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 no. That we take death very seriously in our order. And once the once life has passed to the other side, we leave it be. Mm. I can appreciate that, but I'm still troubled. This means that we have that Stabby was killed by someone else someone who was not associated with Drusk and was after they did not make themselves known to us so either he accidentally stumbled onto something from his perch in the woods or someone came after him I think there's more to Belham than we may have uh, previously thought do you feel that uh, the rest of you are in danger here of uh, we are, actually. Related yes. to your companion's death? 
like the beer is starting to kind of feel nice inside of Dempsey. And he's just like, I don't feel any fear now. I feel the four of us together can uh, go up against anything just like we did today. You guys start feeling good. You see Griggle come up. Hey, boys. You guys did all right. You made me a lot of money. I'll buy you a round. Can I buy you a round? Gregor, we appreciate that, but uh, we are having a solemn toast to our friend. Oh. And I do appreciate the offer, but. Well, okay, I'll tell you what. We'll just pick this up next session then, okay? <laughs> nice. <laughs> All right, Gregor. <laughs> That's it, boys. Thank you for joining us once again on Roll the Hard 20 Podcast. Remember, you can find us and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Amazon Podcasts, and Audible. And if you like what you're listening to, leave us that five-star rating and review. We've also got a YouTube channel at Roll the Hard 20, so if you're into watching, head on over there and hit that like bell, and don't forget to subscribe. We can also be found in the wild on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, so don't forget to check us out and look for us out there. You can also contact the show directly at RollTheHard20Podcast at gmail.com or head on over to the website at RollTheHard20Podcast.com where you can also download the current show directly and view our archives and galleries. we got a lot of interesting stuff posted there, so head on over. And finally, join us on our Patreon page at Patreon.com slash RollTheHard20Podcast where you can become a hard slinger and pick up swag. So until next session, keep your dice warm and your glass topped off as you roll those hard 20s.